When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 397, and today we are talking about books being released on January 17th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Tears of hello! Hello, Liberty! How are you? I'm good. I mean, you know, I'm... I say I'm good for the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel very well, oh. uh, but that's, you know, the new normal. So we did uh, make a bunch of complaints before we started recording about the world and some books that we have read, and that made me feel better. <laughs> yeah, we usually, you know, we keep it positive here because we do love books and, and there's more positive yay book moments than there are like eh moments. But yeah, we, we got it all yeah. out. <laughs> we got it all out. Yeah. Sometimes I think I ruin my own fun with books. Like, I don't know. I've never been able to suspend my disbelief. Like, even, like, when I know I should. Like, if something is, like, a fantasy novel, like, I'm all in, you know? But if you want me to believe, like, there are zombies in the real world, then I need all the other details to be correct, you know? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, like, totally. And so, like, we're you know, we were talking about, like, some books like that that I've read recently where I was like... That is just ridiculous and could never happen. And therefore, I don't believe any of this book. <laughs> yeah, I, I struggle similarly because if I'm reading a book that's, you know, set in the real world and that there's like one factual error or or like inconsistency or just something that like sticks out to me, like the, the, the plot can be solid. The characters can be interesting, but I'm like, but this one thing and it like really yep. drives me nuts and it's hard for me to let go of. Yep. And I, I generally try not to, like, let that stop me from recommending the books to other people because other people might not be bothered by that. But, like, it's quietly, true. I see them. Like, this this thing just bugs me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'm like this. It bothers me sometimes. <laughs> you know, I see people, like, I love this book. Everybody, like, loves this one certain book. And I'm like, but that thing was so ridiculous. <laughs> 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 like, what is it? It's all me. Like, it's my problem. Like, what's wrong with me? I don't know. Luckily, there are tons of other books that we... Love and speaking of love and books, Valentine's Day is coming up. Are you looking for the perfect Valentine's gift for your bookish boo? You can give tailored book recommendations. Your boo will tell our professional book nerds about what they love and what they don't, what their reading goals are, and what they need more of in their bookish life. Then they sit back while our bibliologists go to work selecting books just for them. TBR has plans for every budget, and you can surprise your bookish boo with tailored book recommendations this Valentine's by visiting mytbr.co slash gift. I got a little confused there saying boo because I kept thinking it was like supposed to be book, but the K was missing. So I'm like, bookish book, bookish boo, book. I don't know. I I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, there's a lot of missing Ks in that that ad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, oh, I can't remember the name of the book now, but many years ago there was a 
a nonfiction book, and the author's name is Catherine Boo. And I kept thinking, like, the K was missing from the end of her name when I would look at the cover in the bookstore. What? Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) We're trying to think that. Yes. Um, Let's see. What else do we have today? Uh, It is very warm and rainy where I am. You have lots of snow where you are. Yes. Lots of snow. It was just snowing. It's stopped now. It's very pretty now because... It Like, the trees and the limbs are all frosted white, and so it looks like you're in a snow globe, but it's cold. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, I'm not going to complain about our weather because, as you know, I'm not a big fan of the snow or being cold. So, I mean, it's a little weird that it's like 50 in January, but I'll take it. I will take it. Um, what else? I'm trying to think, like, if anything else exciting has happened. It's been a, It's been a rough week. I've been sick, so, like, I feel like I've missed a lot. You know, I'm not really sure what's going on. So I've just been, like, sleeping, not sleeping, reading books. It's not a bad way to pass the time. No, it's not. The cats have been super bad. (laughs) Uh, It was just their, like, four-year gotcha-versary. And so they decided to act out and remind me, like, you know, that you did this. (laughs) (laughs) This is your fault. (laughs) What good kitties. They're cute, though. They are very cute. Well, today I am taking Dolly Purton, the kitten that we rescued from the cold, rainy November, Iowa, um, outdoors um, to her third follow-up appointment to the vet. She is very cute. She's very spicy. So that's my cat update. (laughs) Yeah, she is very spicy. I like her photos on Instagram. So we covered everything. The weather, cats. I'm a miserable, horrible person who hates fun, apparently. (laughs) Um, And now we're going to talk about books. But first, we are going to hear from a sponsor. Okay. Yeah, I feel like a super grouch today. I'm very sorry. It's just been a long week. So I am going to talk about books now, which always brightens my mood. Starting with What Lies in the Woods by Kate Alice Marshall. Um, Teresa, have you read Kate Alice Marshall? I have not. She's like perpetually on my TBR because she's done some YA and I think, is this her adult debut? Yeah. Okay. This is her adult debut. But I was going to say, she has these really great thrilling YA novels that are like mysteries and and so suspenseful and and I really enjoy them. And so when I found out she had an adult debut coming out, I was very excited and I was correct because it's so much fun. It's about three friends named Naomi, Cassandra, and Olivia. They grow up in the same small town uh, when they're little, like they're like best friends. They do everything together and they love to run around in the woods because, you know, many years ago, kids were allowed to just free range all the time. Uh, And so they go out every day and they play in the woods. They play something called the goddess game because, you know, Cassandra is named, you know, like Cassandra was, you know, and very Greek and goddess. And so they like to play this game where like they make up their own like little pretend rituals and they make like little flower piles. Anyway, it's a whole thing. They're playing in the woods. Um, But one day they're 10 years old. They're playing in the woods. They're playing their game. And Naomi is attacked and she's stabbed 17 times. Mm. She survives this attack Mm. and she and her friends identify the man who did it. And he is sent to prison for life. And, of course, this, like, rocks her world, changes their friendship. You know, tons of press. So, like, she's so brave. She has a lot of healing to do. You know, and now, 20 years later, Naomi is still in this town. She has worked really hard to put this behind her. But, of course, you know, she's still in the town where it happened. Um, And it has certainly informed how she grew up 
Uh, and they find out that the man who attacked her has died in prison. And suddenly there's like this huge interest in the case again because, you know, oh, this brave little girl who survived this horrible attack and like the newspapers are calling, everybody's talking about it. And then her friend Olivia calls her and Cassandra and says she wants to tell the truth about why they were in the woods that day. Mm. And Cassandra is absolutely against it. And Naomi, she doesn't know anymore, like, what she wants. And she realizes as an adult, because she's just, like, stopped thinking about this, you know, tried to put it behind her. She realizes she can't actually remember her attack. Like, she's no longer sure that she correctly identified the man who attacked her. Mm. She starts worrying, like, what if she sent an innocent man to prison? You know, if that's the case, you know, they have this other thing to tell. But if they were wrong about the attacker, who will believe them about this other thing? You know, so she's like trying to decide what to do. And there's a podcaster who has come to town to tell the story, who's been trying to interview her and her friends. And it is very persistent. So with the help of the podcaster, Naomi begins investigating what happened to her and uncovers many dark secrets in the town that have been hidden for decades. So now... Should she share what she finds, even if it means blowing up her life and her friends' lives and possibly admitting that they sent an innocent man to jail? This is one of those really fun books that I love, like, you know, hometown secrets, um, you know, little kids who, like, know things that they don't realize they know or don't understand what they know, you know, and then, like, years later being like, whoa, wait a minute. The pages flew by so fast. I read it so fast because it's just really really fun i know it's like about murder and, and child stabbing and all the stuff and i'm saying yeah it's fun but you know what i mean i am a big fan of old hometown secret stories you know like jackal and sharp objects and bonfire um, and this one is a great one i do want to give content warnings many content warnings for mentions of classism, racism, violence, gore, and murder, trauma, and PTSD, mental illness, suicide, sexual assault of women and children, child abuse, and chemical use and abuse. That is What Lies in the Woods by Kate Alice Marshall. Ooh, I definitely want to pick this one up. I think um, I picked that as my book of the month this month. I have not gotten the package yet, but I will be looking forward to that one. All right, my... Next, or my first pick, um, the next pick is Mysteries of Thorn Manor by Margaret Rogerson. And this is actually a novella sequel to Sorcery of Thorns. Um, it is a YA fantasy. Um, and Sorcery of Thrones, um, it, Thorns, not Thrones, excuse me, was, it was a standalone until this came out. But it was also one of my favorite books of a couple of years ago. And it's kind of difficult to talk about Mysteries of Thorn Manor without, like, spoiling a lot of what happens at the end of Sorcery of Thorns. So I'll just kind of talk about both books um, vaguely without spoilers. So Sorcery of Thorns and Mysteries of Thorn Manor take place in this um, fantasy world that kind of bears a lot of similarities to our world in the 1800s, but different with magic. And there are sorcerers. They tend to be these magical families and the, the magic kind of passes down through the family. And at one point in time, their magic was just kind of really wild and uncontrolled and sometimes dangerous until there were some reforms put in place and um, more rules for the magical 
families and sorcerers of this time. So the book centers around Elizabeth, who is a library apprentice. She is um, an orphan and she's always grown up in this magical library. And none of the librarians are sorcerers, but they basically are tasked with keeping grimoires contained because grimoires, if they run unchecked, they can harm innocent people. And so it's basically like a library, but the books are all dangerous and they could possibly kill you. And the librarians are tasked with like basically neutralizing them, but also keeping the books safe. So it's about what happens when a grimoire escapes. It kills a bunch of people, including the library director. Elizabeth is implicated and she finds herself aligned with um, somebody whom she thinks is an evil sorcerer to clear her name. Um, spoiler alert, he's not evil, but um, that's not really a big spoiler. Obviously, like that's what the whole book is about is learning that sorcery is not necessarily evil, but it can be. And um, they go on this great adventure and it's very fun. And it's got some really lovely high stakes and great um, romantic and um, emotional moments throughout it. I really loved it. So the companion is about the main characters and it's like a little mini adventure after Sorcery of Thorns. I really enjoyed it. The You know, Sorcery of Thorns, the characters are so great and there's one character in particular that you really end up falling for. He kind of steals the show. So I was very excited to, you know, find out that Margaret Rogerson had written a sequel. And then I was also very disappointed to find out that it was only a novella because I would absolutely read another full length novel. So I read this novella. It's it's very cute and small. Like not only is it just like a thin book, but the trim size is really small. I got a finished copy in the mail earlier this week. And it's it is really fun adventure, but it is, um, you know, where the first book is very much like large, you know, world saving type stakes. Um, the the companion is a much smaller scale story, but no less delightful. So I really enjoyed it. If you haven't picked up Sorcery of Thorns, I highly recommend it and the sequel. But if you have, know that there is a novella sequel out now called Mysteries of Thorn Manor by Margaret Rogerson. All right. I love the first one, so I'm going to have to read that one. It'll take you five seconds. It's only 180 pages. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's amazing because the next book that I'm going to recommend is only 178 pages. <laughs> it is A New Race of Men from Heaven, stories by Chitali Sen. This is the winner of the Mary McCarthy Prize in Short Fiction. And I was like, I need a short story collection. It's been several weeks since I've read one. And so I picked up this one and, whoo, boy, was I glad I did. It's eight spare stories about loneliness and leaving. One is about a secretary at a college who has a new boss. And when her new boss disagrees with an op-ed in their local paper, he writes his own and it creates a scandal. And people start protesting and calling and sending threats. And through this, the secretary meets his wife, who is going through her own private suffering. There's a man sitting in a chain restaurant, writing a letter to his parents in which he is lying about the relationship that he has with a woman that he loves. He loves her. She does not return the feelings. And he's actually very lonely, but he's telling them about this great romance they're having. And while this is going on, there is a toddler wandering around the restaurant and nobody seems to be watching him. One is about a widow in India 
Her brother sponsors her to come to America when her husband dies, and she's happy to leave her hometown. She was living with her husband's father, who is a terrible person. And so she's excited to go because her brother says he lives on the Long Island, and she imagines many beaches and sun and, like, sitting outdoors by the ocean. When, in turn, he actually lives in Long Island, and she basically becomes a maid and a nanny for her nephews now that she lives there. One is about a famous writer whose last book was basically called one of the biggest failures of literature, and he's pretty unhappy with his life, Uh, and he goes to visit his daughter and her much older husband, which he's also very unhappy about, and they say, oh, dad, you know, your story in the Paris Review was so amazing, it's the best thing you've ever written, we cried, we laughed, it was so amazing, and he's like, um... That came out, like, ten years ago. You're just getting around to reading it now. And they're like, no, your news story. And he's like, he's like, oh. And they show it to him. And there's a story in the Parish Review, published under his name, that he did not write. But everyone seems so emotional about it, and they love it so much. He's like, hmm, should I say something? And also, who the heck wrote this story? I really liked that one. I mean, I liked them all, but, like, it's it's, like, a great idea to be like, hey, somebody's... Uh, writing amazing stuff and using my name. Great. (laughs) There's one about a family, a mother and a father and the two children. uh, And the wife had left for a time. And now that she's back, the children are are very nervous around her, very delicate with her because they're worried that she'll leave again. And we find out why she left and what's going on now in their lives. I feel like I was holding my breath while I was reading this one. It was so just sad, but it's also like, like, joyful at the end, but, like, oh, I was like, oh, that one really, that one really got me. There's one about a lesbian couple and the neighbors that move in next door to them right after the 2016 elections. It's a family with two parents and eight children, and the couple realizes that the family's politics are different than theirs, and the people that they have voted for and the choices that they make directly affect the couple because of who they are in their lives and, like, how they feel now about living next to this family. There's one about two first-grade teachers who are close friends when one suddenly quits without telling her friend and says, I want to be a yoga instructor and I'm going to Costa Rica to this retreat. And the other friend is like, I don't understand. It's like, you've never mentioned this. Like, what is happening? So her friend invites her to go on the retreat with her, but things do not go very well for them while they are there. And there's the title story about a woman who is talking to her therapist about her life, starting with the story of how she didn't know she was Indian until she was almost 10. She was living with her Indian father and British mother, but no one had ever said anything to her um, until she was little. And she's just had this stressful interaction with a man in her office that she likes. They seem to both like each other, but she sort of flubs the whole thing. And so she decides to seek a therapist and start talking about, you know, why she has issues. And she just starts telling all her stories. These are very lovely and sad. They give you like this hollow ache, but in a good way, you know, like good good art does. Um, it's a small collection. Like I said, it's only 178 pages. You could read like a story a day and be done in a week. And it also includes an introduction from Danielle Evans, who is like, one of the greatest short story writers of all time. If you have not read Before You Suffocate, Your Own Fool Self, or The Office of Historical Corrections, I suggest you pick up both of those right away. I do want to give content warnings for mentions including racism and racialized language, sexual assault, violence, infidelity, illness, and loss 
of a loved one. This is A New Race of Men from Heaven, stories by Chitali Sen. That sounds amazing. And I might have to go pre-order it after we're done talking. (laughs) Um, My next pick is one that I feel like all I have to do is just uh, say the title and then be done. Um, The title is Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone by Benjamin Stevenson. And I did not get a chance to read this one because I could not get my hands on an advanced copy, unfortunately. So information about it is... um, you know, sparse, but we have this main character named Ernest Cunningham, who informs the reader that everyone in his family has killed somebody, truly everyone, all of his siblings, parents, his wife, and now they're all going to be going to a family reunion at a ski resort. And I'm guessing that somebody's bound to die. So I like the title. I think it's very um, catchy. And it looks like it's trying to, you know, bring some Knives Out vibes. And I'm here for all the Knives Out comparisons. I really like, you know, funny slash madcap murder mysteries. And this looks like it's going to be a good one. The cover is also very um, dark, but in a fun way. Can I say that? (laughs) It's, It's like just a bunch of outlines of various sharp objects and weapons that could kill somebody you know so it's a little bit dark but uh looks really interesting so i'm excited to get my hands on a copy of everyone in my family has killed someone by benjamin stevenson i will say uh, i have read it and it is it is very knives out it's very funny um they are already making it into a series for hbo max i believe and he is writing a sequel because these things move fast. Yeah. And I feel like it is a good example of like, you know, you can have good titles, but then you can have titles that really grab everyone's attention. And I think this one, like the title is doing a lot of heavy lifting and just like getting people's attention. So um, I will be curious to see how well this one does too, knowing that there's so much upfront buzz. I imagine it's going to be one of those titles, like I'm glad that my mom died where where people ask for it and they're like i'm looking for my family is going to kill everyone (laughs) you know like i always love that as a bookseller like how imaginative people were with titles it was great so those are some books that we have read and now we're going to talk about more of today's releases hardcover and paperback that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read um, I actually have read my next pick. It is How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. This is, uh, first of all, Grady Hendrix. I'm trying to think of like any book right now. Like I forgot to mark it down. Uh, Southern Book Club Guide to Vamp Fighting Vampires. Oh my goodness, I cannot remember. <laughs> the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, I think. <laughs> yeah. the My Best Friend's Exorcism. That's one. Okay, we can do this. Um, horror store. Anyway, you know who he is. This one is about a woman named Louise. She's a divorced mother. Uh, she's now living by herself with her daughter, who's like three or four. And she gets the news that her parents in Charleston have died in a car crash. Like she's on the other side of the country. Uh, and this means that she's going to have to leave her daughter with her ex-husband, which she's not really looking forward to. She's going to have to see her brother, Mark, who she can't stand. Um, they've never gotten along. 
she always seems to like mess up everything. She feels like her parents expected her to be perfect growing up and he got away with everything. He was always so dramatic. He made everything about him. He leached off her parents. Um, and like they, they've never like been in contact since she left the house because like they just don't have anything in common, but they do need to clean out her, their parents' house. So she's like, I'm just going to go and I'm going to go to the funeral and I'm going to deal with Matt and we're going to be done. But she is not. Spoiler. First of all, when they get there, we find out that um, her parents were puppeteers. And there are hundreds of puppets and dolls Mm. all around their house. Like, everywhere. Like, on everything. All the shelves. On the furniture. um, Including two very creepy dolls that are made up to look like Mark and Louise. And Louise has, like, just never been into this. She's just, ugh. They're so unsettling um, because dolls are unsettling. And so now she's at the house and then she makes the mistake. She's Skyping with her daughter and she makes the mistake of telling her the truth about what happened to her grandparents um, because her daughter is asking. Uh, And now her daughter finds out about death and she's like inconsolable, hysterical. And now her ex-husband is really mad at her for telling her the truth. Um, So she's dealing with his angry calls and Mark shows up and right away they're not getting along. They have like a dramatic like fight on the front lawn. Um, and you know, all the neighbors get to witness it and they're just like fighting, fighting, fighting. But the fact of the matter remains that they have to do something with the house. So they decide they're going to just call a truce and start cleaning out the house. Well, as soon as this starts, weird things start happening in the house. And one of the things I liked about this book is that right away, they're not like, Oh, well, there has to be next. They're like ghosts. Absolutely. House is haunted. <laughs> There's no explanation for this. You know, like pretty, like pretty quickly. They're like, this house is haunted. And she's like, uh, I need to leave. Like, I'm not hanging around here. But then she realizes that she really, really needs the money. If they can sell this house, she will get a ton of money and, you know, it'll help like take care of her daughter and her college fund and all this stuff. So she's like, I'm going to suck it up and stay at this haunted house, you know, and figure out how you sell a haunted house because I need this money. But, you know, it's a haunted house. It's going to be scary. <laughs> you know, like it's right there in the title. Um, the book is super creepy. The dolls are really upsetting. I have to say, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but I had, like, the best possible experience you could have while reading this book. Like, sometimes you have, like, a book that you're reading and something happens that is really relevant to it. And I was reading this book. It was late at night. I was sitting on my reading nest in my office, which is, like, a a little, like, futon that I pull out on the floor. And I'm reading, and all of a sudden, my big baby Yoda doll that was up at the top of a bookcase fell onto my ankle like landed on my leg and I screamed like I have never screamed before in my life because it startled me so bad. And I was like, you know, and like the cats had been up there and like jumping around and like it fell down because, you know, but it was so perfect. And then I got to have lunch with him a, a few weeks later and I was telling him this story and he was like, wow. I was like, yeah, it was like the perfect <laughs> reading experience. I mean, I don't think the doll is alive. It just happened. But oh my goodness, did I scream? <laughs> Um, it's just, you know, and there's always, like, something to scream about in his books. I do want to say that I've read all of his books, and I always find, like, there's one thing in a Grady Hendrix novel that deeply upsets me. Like, he's so, 
good at writing something so awful that I'm like, ugh. And I want to say that, like, the description of the car accident that their parents are in was that thing. And so if that bothers you or, you know, you don't want to read about car accidents, like, I would recommend skipping it because, wow, I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Um, But... Other than that, it's lots of fun and lots of scares and lots of gross. I do want to give content warnings for child endangerment, harm, and death, animal death, adult death, violence, murder, gore, the detailed car accident, and loss of loved ones. This is How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. I cannot wait to read this one. And there are definitely moments from um, Southern Book Club that just... uh, live rent-free in my brain. So I'm prepared for this, I think. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there are moments from each of his books that I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. (laughs) You know, uh, that I'm just like, like you said, they're just there in my head and they're never leaving. Yeah. And it's not even like, I mean, super in your face like scary or violent moments but it's more of like the little details that just get under your skin and that's why i think he's such a good horror writer yeah that is that is the truth um you are going to tell us about more books but first we are going to hear from another sponsor okay what do you got I'm excited to talk about As You Walk On By by Julian Winters. And I mean, can you even say the title of this book without getting that earworm stuck in your head? I mean, I can. It's now going to just be in an endless loop in my head. This book is being billed as a cross between The Breakfast Club and Can't Hardly Wait. And my first reaction was, do teenagers... They probably know Breakfast Club, but do they know Can't Hardly Wait? I don't know. Either way, this sounds amazing. So it is about um, a teenage guy named Theo who is basically going through high school with like this strategy where he's just going to get through school. He's going to, you know, get some amazing scholarships, go to college. He's got this perfect plan. But it's really his dad's plan, and he just goes along with it. And so he decides that what he really would like if he has to go follow his dad's plan for life is to just have a perfect prom night on, you know, his own terms. Um, So he is dared by his best friend to do this big promposal to his crush at a big um, house party. And he's like, what the heck? Why not? Of course, you know, if you've ever watched any teen movie ever, you know that big high school house parties never go the way you plan them to go. So the promposal goes really, really badly. And he's really embarrassed and hurt and upset. So he does what anybody does when at a big party. And he runs away and he doesn't leave the party, but he goes and he finds like the one empty bedroom in the whole house where he can just hang out and have like a total meltdown. But as the night goes on, more and more people find refuge in this one bedroom as well. And so all of a sudden he's got this really interesting uh, and unusual collection of people who have joined him in this bedroom and they are just kind of all hanging out and having this moment of connection. So I'm intrigued by this because obviously you can, if you've seen the breakfast club and if you've seen can't hardly wait, you see the connections here. I 
feel like YA in the last couple of years, there have been more and more books that kind of lead into the idea of like, you know, what are these social roles or like these archetypes in, um, you know, the teenage social groups and, and like, how can we throw them all together? It's always an interesting thing to see how authors pull that off. And I like the premise a lot. I also am always really impressed by authors who can presumably write an entire novel that's set in like a single day or a single night. And it sounds like this one, if not the whole book, then a good chunk of the book is set in this single night. So I'm very intrigued to read it. Um, the cover is also really fantastic. It's like an illustrated cover with tons of people at a party and you have these two guys kind of like looking at each other, sort of side eyeing each other. Looks really great. And this is also not the only book too that has an 80s song lyric as the title that's coming out this year. There seem to be a lot of them. So this little just looks really great. It is As You Walk On By by Julian Winters. I thought that the Breakfast Club song was going to be the one that I will leave this podcast with in my head, but I think now <laughs> it's going to be the re- it's going to be the replacement. Yeah, you know, can't there you hardly go. wait. Which which is, is a superior song. I mean, don't at me, but um, <laughs> I just love the replacement so much. My next pick for today, I have not actually had a chance to read, but it already has my vote for best title of the year, and it's one of those books that I was so excited to read that like I kept putting it off, and then I realized, oh my goodness. It's coming out next week. So I haven't read it yet, but it's called I Keep My Exoskeletons to Myself by Marissa Crane. It's being billed as Department of Speculation meets Black Mirror, which, hello, sounds amazing. And it's about a queer mother raising her daughter in an unjust surveillance state. That is directly from the jacket um, and how uh, she has to navigate this world uh, in which... She's grieving the loss of her wife, and she wasn't ready to raise her baby on her own. Um, and meanwhile, like, she's living in, like, this surveillance state and trying to figure out, like, how t- there's a thing called the Department of Balance that has made these really strict, terrible laws in the country. And she has to figure out, like, how she's going to raise her child and also fight this Department of Balance and get through her grief and I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. I just kept getting more and more excited to read this book and then, like, just didn't yet. So I'm going to have to do that soon. But um, you know what I mean. Sometimes I just get, like, I get a book and I'm like, I'm so excited. I'm going to read this right now. I'm going to drop everything and do it. And sometimes I get a book and I'm like, I I can't do it yet. And, And I know that, you know, we've all had this conversation before. There are so many readers out there who understand what I'm saying. So I will, I will eventually. I don't know what it is about that magical release date that makes it like oh now i can read this (laughs) you know it's like we've gotten over the hump and now i'm like okay i'm gonna read it now i don't know what it is about that magical release date that keeps me from reading things sometimes but um i've babbled about this way too long anyway this one is called i keep my exoskeletons to myself oh what a title uh by marissa crane that is such a great title and i feel like maybe you've i've heard you talk about it before so i was kind of surprised to hear that you you hadn't gotten to it yet (laughs) Oh, yeah, because I keep saying, like, on Twitter and on Instagram and stuff, like, what a great title, (laughs) what a great title. And I think, like, I was, like, all set to, like, start at one time, um, and then I didn't. Because, you know, when I, in my various jobs, I'm like, today I am reading this, and, like, if I've just finished a book, I'm like, I'm going to read this book. But then, you know, I say that, and the newsletter goes out, but by that time, like, you know, I can't find where I set that book, or, you know, I I had to stop and read something else and 
So people are like, did you read this book? I'm like, oh, I was going <laughs> to. Oh, I was going to. No, I, I get it too. And plus, I, I do feel like sometimes there are releases that come out and I'm like, as soon as I get my hands on an arc, I will read it. And other times I'm like, no, I want to read it like the finished copy when it comes out. So yeah. it makes sense. Like Sometimes We're, you just get a feeling that yeah. you know you're going to, like the um, Meg Howery book that I read last year about the ballerina. I, I kept putting it off and putting it off because I was like, I know I'm going to read this and this is going to like be earth shattering and I'm going to love it so much. And I was correct, but I did manage to read it like a couple of days before we recorded the show for its release week. But like, that's how I feel about this one, except that I missed the date. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there. We're just eclectic. I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My last pick of the day is um, a nonfiction title it is windfall the prairie woman who lost her way and the great granddaughter that found her by erica bolstead um this one looks really interesting because it's you know it's nonfiction, so it's true story but also it seems to have a bit of a mystery to it um it is about erica who is a journalist who was one day shocked to learn that she had inherited mineral rights in north dakota um, which were pretty valuable because there's oil in North Dakota. And she was kind of like, what the heck? I've never heard this before. Like, I didn't even know this existed. And so she decided to figure out, like, what led to this. And so um, she started digging into the past and she um, discovered that her um, great-grandmother, whose name was Anna, was the one who wanted to be, you know, this homesteader and who went to North Dakota and who led to her inheriting these mineral rights. But of course, you know, as she is uncovering this mystery of her, her family and her past, um, she also is having to reckon with like the reality of um, environmental exploitation, um, genocide, and all of these, you know, really ugly things that go hand in hand with mining for oil in the Dakotas. So I don't know, I think a ton about, you know, mineral rights in, in North Dakota and South Dakota history, despite the fact that I now live in a state that's very close to the Dakotas. Um, I just, you know, know a lot about like the pipeline and stuff, the news that's been, you know, kind of in more recent headlines. So I'm curious to read this book, um, just because I feel like I'll learn a lot. And um, also, who doesn't, you know, sometimes dream of inheriting something very worthwhile and like worthwhile in the terms of like, you know, financially worth something from a relative that you didn't know existed. But like, it's interesting to see the flip side of how it could be, you know, a darker inheritance. So I am very curious about this book. It is Windfall, The Prairie Woman Who Lost Her Way and The Great Granddaughter Who Found Her by Erica Bolstead. All right. So now we are going to talk about some paperback releases. There are so many out today. I had a really hard time slimming the list down, but I think I have a great selection here. I'm going to kick it off with None But the Righteous by Chantal James, a novel about a young man with a family heirloom who is trying to get back home in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. This Boy We Made, a memoir of motherhood, genetics, and facing the unknown by Taylor Harris. This is her memoir about uh, after the birth of her young son. Harris had 
a feeling that there was something wrong with him. Uh, and this is the story of a black mother going up against the medical community and trusting her instincts. Akata Woman by Nettie Okorafor. This is the third in final book in the YA trilogy about African magic, which has been coming out slowly over the last several years. The ones that I have now, the covers are completely different because it's it's been a while, um, but so, so good. Just Pursuit, A Black Prosecutor's Fight for Fairness by Laura Coates. In this memoir, Coates talks about how she joined the Department of Justice as a prosecutor because she wanted to do good in the world and advocate for the vulnerable and realizes that, you know, this is not possible in a lot of cases, even when you have the best intentions and how the, the justice system really works against a lot of people. Mouth to Mouth by Antoine Wilson. It's about a man who is, he's unnamed. Uh, he's listening to his former classmate talk about his life as they sit together in a first class lounge at JFK airport. The Ballad of Perilous Graves by Alex Jennings, which we have talked about several times on the show. Yay! So good. It's a fantasy novel about two versions of New Orleans, one in which ghosts exist and someone has stolen the spirit of music, which is what keeps them going. And there is a young man named Perilous Graves who is going to help find it. Well, meanwhile, things are happening in the real version of New Orleans that we know exists. And things are kind of like creeping out from one to the other. When I'm Gone, Look for Me in the East by Quan Berry. Quan Berry is the author of We Ride Upon Sticks, which we have talked about a whole bunch of times, that field hockey novel, or is it lacrosse? Oh my goodness, I can't remember now. Uh, set in former Salem, Massachusetts. That was so, so fun. Um, this one is about twin brothers, one who is an ex-monk, and they are on a quest in Mongolia. And then in paperback originals today, we have The Reunion by Kayla Olson, which is about two former teen stars who show up for the reunion of their hit show from when they were young and find out that they also might be hitting it off. Tell Me I'm Worthless by Alison Rumfit. If you want to read a scary book, whoo, this one is so intense. About a woman who is haunted after a night in a haunted house three years earlier. She and her friends decided to stay in this house, and the things that happened there have kind of stuck with her since then. Pandora by Susan Stokes Chapman. Set in London in the late 18th century, it is about a mysterious vase that arrives at a woman's uncle's antique shop. A Love by Design, The Secret Scientist of London, Book 3 by Elizabeth Everett. This is a romance novel about a widow who is hoping to become England's first, or establish England's first woman-owned engineering firm, uh, but her search for investors leads her to the man who broke her heart many years ago. Can she ever forgive him? And The Fraud Squad by Kyla Zhao. This is a romance novel as well about a young woman who will do anything to break into Singapore's high society. So those all sound amazing. I can, like I said, vouch for several of them. Very excited to read the others. And Tirza, what are you going to read next? Well, I just got a copy of Hellbent by Leigh Bardugo, so I think I will be diving into that one this weekend. Um, I'm really excited. I really liked Ninth House, and um, I was very, very grateful to my local indie. I have an independent bookstore about 30 minutes away from me. That's the closest one. So it's like, you know, not too far, but also not like a swing by after work and 
you know, just pick up books. So I called them and I was like, do you have this book? And they were like, uh, we think so. And then they called me back and they were like, yeah, yeah, we have a copy for you. And I was like, okay, great. And so I went over the next day and I got it. And I found out that they had only gotten one copy in. And like one of the booksellers was like, I'm going to buy it. And she was so excited, but she gave her copy to me. And I was like, oh, that's so nice of you. And then I I was like, oh, gosh, are you okay? Like, are you sure? Do you, you know, I can wait. And she was like, no, 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 I want you to have it. So like we had this moment where we were both trying to give each other the copy of the book. But I ended up taking it. So now I'm like, I have to read it this weekend. She like gave it to me. So I'm I'm very excited to to read it. And yeah, return to the world. Oh, that was nice of her. Was. Booksellers are the best. Yep, it's true. I am going to read The Postcard by Anne Barrist, translated by Tina Cover, because it is a book about the Holocaust and World War II, of which there are an abundance lately, and I kind of have set those aside. But this one, I watched an interview with the author recently, and she was so charming and amazing to listen to. This book is, has won like pretty much every major award that you can get in France or been nominated for every major award. And this is actually based on a true story of her life. It's about how many years ago her grandmother received a postcard in the mail. It had no address. It had no name on it. It just contained the names of her family members who died in Auschwitz. And this is like her search for like who sent it and and what happened. And listening to her talk, she was amazing. She had the most incredible French accent. And she started off by saying like, I have a terrible accent and my English is awful. And of course it was perfect. And she was so charming. And she was like, I want you to know that the stereotypes about French people liking wine and cheese are correct. And so I want to come to your bookstore and drink wine and eat cheese and tell you about my book. And she was just so charming. I was like, I must read this immediately, immediately. But I'm also super excited because I got the new book that's coming from uh, Jillian Flynn's imprint. There is the Scorched Grace, which I read and loved. But this one is called The Center by Aisha Manazir Siddiqui. It's about a Pakistani translator who applies for this mysterious language school um, that says that they can teach anybody to speak anything, but it also has like these weird, sinister programs. It sounds a little bit like Catherine House, like you have to like give up everything Mm. that you have and like not contact anybody and like it might also be like super dangerous. So also has this amazing cover with like this skull sitting on a table with like flowers growing out of it. It's awesome. So of course I have to read this one too. And, you know, 500,000 other books that I want to read. (laughs) Um, Just yay books. Yay books. But then I will also probably just sleep because I'm sick. (laughs) Sleep Um, is good, too. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So that is it for us today. We made it. I wasn't sure I was going to make it, but um, I want to remind you that you can surprise your bookish boo with tailored book recommendations this Valentine's by visiting mytbr.co slash gift. We want to thank you, say thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can also find us online. We are on Instagram. Tirza is Tirza Price, and I am Franzen Comes Alive. You can also go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us, and we appreciate it so much. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, it is way past my nap time. 
you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.